Hi. Hi. I know I look a little crazy, but I'm having a rough day. Uh-huh. It's my birthday. Happy birthday! And I lock my keys and my cell phone in my car at the grocery store. Oh! Yeah. The worst. And I'm just trying to get home. Does this bus go to the wharf? You're in luck, yes. Oh, please take me. I swear I will pay you the fare once I get it from my apartment, please. Okay, come on up. Oh, oh, thank God. Thank you. Huh? Finally, something's going right. <laughs> you won't regret this. Mothers do, isn't it? You get the hell away from my daughter. Call me mommy. I'm not exactly maternal. Welcome to Are You My Mother, the podcast that looks at mothers and parents and media for a glimpse into how mother characters inform and sometimes betray our expectations of what it means to be a mother and how we look at mothers in our lives. This podcast is a proud part of the Glitterjaw Queer Podcast Collective. If you're looking for other queer media podcasts, check out the full roster of Glitterjaw shows at glitterjaw.com. I'm your host, David Arnold, and in this episode, Cinch Up Your Plastic Baggy Diapers, we're going on an incredible birthday journey with Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. But with three kids and a husband always behind the burger grill, I can't talk about Linda alone. So I am honored and blessed to be joined by streamer and online friend, Tyler Watson. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. David, thank you so much for having me. Some may say that this episode is a two hosts, two bottle of wine a night job, but I am very excited to take on the challenge with you. Listen, we're not going to get drunk. We're just going to have fun. Like, we're your very Linda exactly. in this moment. Exactly. We're, we're, we're channeling Linda. This is a Linda episode. Let's vibe with Linda. Yeah, we're totally vibe. But, Tyler, before we get into Linda, you uh, do a little bit of Twitch streaming on your channel, twitch.tv slash regsage90. I wanted to ask you a little bit about streaming. How did you get into doing that? You seem to have a lot of fun on your streams. Yeah, so my partner... Um, they go by Micaiah TTV um, on Twitch. They've been streaming for a few years now. Um, they are the one who really inspired me to kind of give it a whirl. Um, I'm pretty casual when it comes to streaming right now, um, but I like to get into doing it as like a regular hobby. Um, I feel kind of like I'm a performer by nature. Um, so I really enjoy getting to do that and share that with other people. But I also really want to create like a, like a cozy, fun place to just kind of, kind of like unwind and relax and watch a fellow queer person be really bad at video games. <laughs> well, so you're not you're not great at video games. That's good to hear because sometimes when I watch a streamer and all I can do is think, "Wow, why are they so much better at video games than I am?" Like this is embarrassing. <laughs> so you're bad. I love that. Oh yeah, and I'm like very out and proud about being bad at video games. Like if I like I was just telling uh, my partner the other day that whenever I plan on doing a future stream, I should put up like a like a death counter just to keep track of how many times I fall off in a really embarrassing fashion from a platform. I love that. I love that. Well, and you know, a big part of game design is figuring out how players experience failure. 
Um, and some of the best games have well-designed failure states. And you don't, we don't think about that sometimes as players, especially like really good players, but there's nothing worse for bad gamers, or at least I can speak for myself. There's nothing worse that, for me than playing a game that I'm really, really bad at of, of suffering because I have failed the conditions. Um, what I love is a game where you die and it, the respawn's instant, you're back to it. You can sort of learn from your mistake and try again. Totally. Yeah. I have just been playing through a video game series that I'm going to complain about. So I'm not going to mention the title, but I had that exact experience where I was playing through it and I just kept on dying over and over again. And it was kind of like an older game, so I won't hold it too much against it because a lot of gaming has yeah. you know, improved since then. But every time I died, I was just like, I'm going to throw my controller out the window because it is just getting way too frustrating. But since then, I have also, you know, I've just kind of accepted like this is something that happens. Yeah, we all we all make mistakes. Let's just kind of get through it, laugh at it, and move on. So now you mentioned that your partner is also a streamer. Are they very good at video games? Is this like yes. a source of <laughs> conflict between the two of you? Um, thankfully, we haven't had any conflicts, mostly okay. because we haven't played like a fighting game like Tekken against each other yet, <laughs> in which case they have already promised to not hold back against me. <laughs> but um, I am uh always in awe of their gaming capabilities they've been playing games since like oh god i don't even know when so they're very very talented um and uh i'm always in awe of, of their ability and then i just again fall off platforms get shot in the face by 12 year olds so but, on and so forth but gaming's not exactly new to you right you've been gaming for a while yeah, I've been playing video games since Super Mario Brothers on the Super Nintendo. Um, so I have been playing for a long time. So there's just a long history of me being bad at those games. Um, typically, I tend to get really invested in more like story driven games. Um, oh, cool. I just finished playing The Last of Us Part Two for the first time. And that's more of a father issues type of game. So I won't get too deep into it on this particular podcast. Um, but I really enjoyed that. I really love the story in it. Um, it I was kind of Honestly, I was a little bit skeptical about it going in um, just because, you know, I I loved the first one so much that I was like, yeah. how are they going to be able to like continue the story from here when the first one had such a perfect ending, in my opinion? Yeah. Um, but they I feel like they they kind of nailed it. Obviously, I have some like critiques here and there, but I think that's always like something that everyone should have after experiencing any piece of media, not just a video game, but like a book, a TV show, a movie, etc. You should always have a little something to critique. Um, but uh, beyond that, I also kind of have a soft spot for just games that you pop on after a long work day. Um, so Fortnite is kind of my guilty pleasure in that way. I like to unwind. I get to play as like Lara Croft or Darth Vader or, you know, a tiger daddy. And, um, you know, that's fun until I get sniped in the face by a 12 year old. <laughs> that it's so wild because we invited my uh my husband's like best friend from kindergarten just happened to live in denver when we were living there and so she came over with her two kids and we said oh we've got a gaming pc so if there's something you want to do like let us know i'll put like mario i'll put like an emulator on it and you can play whatever you want and the the kid goes i would like to play Fortnite. And i was like i've never heard of this so this is like 
date dateline me never hearing of Fortnite. He loaded it on there and oh my god, can I tell you Tyler, I played like 20 hours of it without moving and had no idea what was happening. This is like an early build of Fortnite and I I it it, it was one of those things where I almost like threw the computer away from me and I was like we have to be gone of this devil machine or it take over everything cuz it it does like the sort of machinations of like keeping you hooked for one more turn. Oh yeah. Um, that's something like a civilization game would do, except in civilization, at least I learned things about history. And in Fortnite, I was learning only about my own ineptitude and that I, I have not played it since I have not played Fortnite since it is. Um, honestly, that's such a really great story because that is exactly how Fortnite feels to me too. Like I just, <laughs> I, I'll play through it and I'll be doing really well. And then I get, you know, shot and killed. And then it's just immediately return to menu, boot up another game. And yeah. then it, it like, um, I don't know if you got to got the chance to late play it with your husband or your, or anyone else at that time, but when you're playing with other people, it's just like even more on top of that, like addictive and fun. Yeah. Um, you know, just running around and then calling out like so and so's in the distance, or I've got so and so on me, or there's a chest over here, and you got to run over and get it. And nowadays they have so many like crossover events. Like right now, like at the time of this recording, they're doing like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um uh, like whole crossover event um so that's always really cool to like you're running around you're trying to get away from this you know a squad and then suddenly you see this porthole or manhole uh in the street that's glowing uh which typically if a manhole is glowing you should see a doctor about that but um in this case you can jump down into it and then you can meet up with uh oh my goodness i'm i'm missing out on my my teenage mutant Ninja turtles lore what's the name of the the rat master um splinter splinter yeah 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 um yeah you can talk to master splinter and uh, a couple other fortnite characters um and it's it's a trip i will say that much it's definitely a trip i can see joy in your eyes as you talk about this <laughs> um and you are you are you are extolling the hallmarks of this series um that sound dreadful to me because i uh, view video games as this solo, dark room, please don't talk to me, in my basement sort of situation. Um, but it brings me so much happiness to hear people who are excited to play with others um, and really enjoy that. And that is thrilling. Maybe I'll oh, get yeah. there. Maybe I'll get there. You know There's what, David? I, we'll have to coordinate and we'll we'll squad up. We'll get some dubs in, in Fortnite and we'll have we'll, we'll work out the time zone difference and we'll have a good time. I love it. I made Mike buy a second Wii for his bowling. I said, we can't bowl in the same room, but that was really more about damage to property. I think fair. more than anything else, you know, very fair. Fun story. I did break a wine glass playing uh, twilight princess, uh, legend of Zelda twilight princess. It was the shield bash and someone had left a wine glass on the uh, coffee table. I shield bashed right into that. The stem was still standing straight up, but I had blown the goblet out all over the living room. Honestly, the fact that the stem was still standing up is a, really a testament to your prowess when it comes to yeah. channeling Link, the breaker of all things fragile. Yeah, listen, this fucker was like, you go in. It's over. Yeah. All right. But back to the streaming, uh, back to your, to your work on Twitch. Anything cool coming up for folks who are listening to the podcast here at the end of the month of February? So... Coming up uh, at the end of February, kind of going into early March, um, I'm planning on diving into a game series that I was always really passionate about when I was a kid. 
um, the Tomb Raider series. So Ooh, uh, cool. they, they just released Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 remastered. Um, so I am extremely excited to dive back in and play that. Um, I got to play a little bit of Tomb Raider 3, which was my very first Tomb Raider um, the other day. And I tried out the quote-unquote tank controls, um, which are the original controls. Yeah, I, I see that face that you're making, David. And I thought the exact same thing where it's just like, oh, God, it's been you know 20-something years. How am I going to play this? But honestly, kind of felt like slipping Muscle into a pair of shoes. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that happened with me. They re-released um, Grim Fandango, and they put oh, tank controls yeah. back in. And I was like, yeah, motherfucker, I hated playing this game the first time. But <laughs> I got used to those tank controls. And once you're used to them, it, they do make sense. But, but boy, wow. When you are used to if, – if, if you released Mario 64 with tank controls, I would die. Like, my hands would fall off. Totally. That I totally hear hilarious. you on that. Wow. I mean – Laura never had a kid, but we we could talk about her in a in a mother capacity. Ab- um, oh my goodness, David! Like if you ever have me back onto this podcast talking about Lara Croft as just a mother figure, I will talk your ear off. She is. You mentioned it earlier with Last of Us, but like, yeah, daddy issues galore in video games. But like, moms are typically like fridged first thing. We don't get a lot of moms in video games. Very true. Yeah, and again, like I will go on like a whole tangent about that. There's like the whole. Tomb Raider Legend Trilogy, which is all about Lara and her mommy issues. The most recent trilogy was Lara and her daddy issues. And the OG, uh, you know, triangle titties like Lara Croft of the past. I think her only issue was just like there is a tiger here and it just won't die. So I kind of miss that simplicity. She is mother in that sort of way. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, I will die back in, see what comes up when I try again. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for that. That's awesome. Well, we'll do another plug for your channel at the end of the episode. But for now, we're going to talk about a mother who uh, we know very well and we're very excited to talk about. We're talking today about Bob's Burgers. So this animated series focuses on Bob Belcher, his wife, Linda, and their three children, Tina, Jean, and Louise, who all work and live above the titular Bob Burgers restaurant in a fictional New Jersey question mark city. Uh, Is is this established in Jersey, Tyler? Or is this sort of a... So I kind of think that we have like a little bit of a Springfield situation going on with the exact location of... Uh, Bob's Burgers and then the town that uh, the city the story is set in Um, I do believe it is meant to be kind of like New Jersey there's a pier there Um, you know there the wharf I should say go by the the given name but yeah um, you know I and and of course you got Linda's accents you've got all sorts of different characters the climate the the environment everything I do think it kind of screams Jersey but I don't think they've actually specified hey, the show is set in New Jersey or, you know, anything else like that. That's a really good point. I, I, I'm not sure about it either. And I've, I've seen tons of Bob's Burgers and we'll get into your history with this in a little bit. But uh, I, I don't know that they've ever been like, well, the New Jersey health inspector is coming. The health inspector comes, but it, it, it could be New York. It could be Rhode Island for all we know, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely got a, a Northeast U.S. feel. Totally. Okay. Uh, The series has been on air for 14 seasons since January of 2011 and has been renewed for its 15th season. The show is very smartly written and performed and has earned two Emmy wins and dozens of nominations across awards categories. So Tyler, what is your experience with Bob's Burgers? 
So I remember watching Bob's Burgers way back when it used to be on Netflix streaming yeah. in the U.S. Now I think it's on Hulu. Um, but I think I remember I might be like mingling my my memories together. But there was a time very early on when Netflix was just like, hey, we should try streaming instead of just sh- sending out discs to everybody. Um, but ironically, you had to have a disc installed yep. to be able to do that. And I think I watched it after I had installed the disc into my old PlayStation 3 um, and pulled up Netflix. And I watched, first of all, I watched a Jim Gaffigan comedy special. And then I think it was Bob's Burgers starting off with episode one and the meat inspector and our Bob's Burgers, you know, the restaurant selling human meat in their hamburgers. Um, But I kind of remember the show going from having this like, I think of its time sort of cynical bite to it to and and Bob is more of a chaotic figure like a little bit more Peter Griffin in terms of like how he would get riled up and then get himself into situations to what we kind of see today where I think mm-hmm. a lot of that cynicism is gone there's definitely still a lot of like sarcastic humor to it um they're definitely still poking fun at each other but it's lost that I don't know pessimism or family guy ishness yeah, yeah, um, yeah that that the show used to have um and per- I personally think that's for the better but it's also a different strokes for different folks things I know you know family guys hella popular for a reason but for me whenever I watch Bob's Burgers I I put it on to kind of like unwind and have like a little bit of a nice pleasant funny experience yeah, and that's what it I gives get. me it gives me really strong like season four season five vibes of the Simpsons in that it's a good story. It's fun to experience. So I'm, I don't feel like I need to take a break and pause. It, it doesn't have the schmaltz of like season two and three Simpsons where there are episodes that still like to this day make me cry like consistently that almost like too much. Like I, I don't need that either. There are things that are emotionally impactful in Bob's Burgers, but they're they're handled with such a light and feather touch that I don't I don't need the box of tissues nearby. I can just be like, oh, that was nice. Um, kind of like the episode we're talking about today. So it's it's a really fun balance. I, I'm trying to remember the first time I watched a Bob's Burgers. It was probably on Netflix. I remember people talking about just loving it. I remember this being like a big conversation show about how you needed to watch it uh, if you weren't watching it already. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely something that people were talking about. There was a lot of word of mouth about it. I believe the show, so it came out in 2011. Um, that was, yeah, that was after like that first writer strike that we had. Yeah. But I remember there was kind of like an abbreviated season pretty early on. And it was during that that intermediary time that I think the show started getting really good word of mouth. Um, you know, people were getting more access to Netflix streaming. And I think it became kind of a thing where like I would go to a friend's house and we would be having a party and then people would be like, should we put something on? And people would say, like, let's put on Bob's Burgers. Yeah. But yeah, I love Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah, the show's so funny. What's Bob's Burgers about? So on and so forth. And then we would put it on and then everyone would have a great time. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how I, I think this show has risen from something that probably people didn't really expect to see it last for too long. Just because I think we're used to Fox shows getting like a short term on life yeah. uh, before the, you know, they, you know, get canceled, but the, it, it really became something that's going strong and really happy to see it's still on TV. 
Well, it's wild to think about how uh, 15 years, but how recent it really is uh, in the scope of other animated comedy that has been sort of long lasting. It's probably the biggest newcomer in this space of an animated family sitcom. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like a Simpsons or a family guy yet, but I think, you know, given time and given, you know, hopefully a a positive environment um, at you know, I guess it's Disney now, but you know, if Disney keeps on seeing that Bob's Burgers is generating revenue, people still really like it, still getting good critical praise. You know, we'll see Bob go on for many, many more seasons. Um, you know, maybe get to uh, Simpsons levels, maybe it outlives the Simpsons. Although it kind of feels like Simpsons is going to outlive us all. So who can wow, really say for sure? I hate that. I, I mean, I, <laughs> listen, I love the Simpsons. I'm a huge fan, but. I, you just got to let these people retire. Like I, I I, it's been enough. Julie Kavner can't keep doing it. I know. Well, because it, it's so funny that you mentioned her in particular, because I like before this, I listened to your episode with Derek about, um, you know, Marge, be not proud. And you had like that really honest and vulnerable moment about like Julie Kavner has been doing this for so long. Like, it's weird to think of her as having like a lifespan that we yeah. could be, you know, we're closer to the end of that than the beginning. You know, obviously, I would love to see you know, the Simpsons and Bob's Burgers both reach like a nice, positive, natural ending point and let the rest of the cast go off and yeah. live their lives. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, while we while we still have it, I, I still love it. Any other memories about sort of the onset of Bob's Burgers in your life, Tyler? So I definitely fell off at some point with Bob's mm. Burgers. I don't think there was like for any particular reason. It's just, you know, Life kind of happens, uh, school happens, so on and so forth. Work happens. This kind of happened like, like Bob's Burgers as a show kind of started and started to reach peak around the same time I graduated from college with my with my undergrad and then had to enter the workforce. And during that time period, you know what it, how it is. It's oh, just yeah, it's the worst. Everything, everything falls apart. Everything's chaotic. So I think I stopped watching it until a few years ago. My mother... Uh, of all people seems appropriate for this show said like Tyler have you ever heard of Bob's Burgers and I was like yeah what about it and she said well I was getting my tattoo she has 14 now wow um, get it mom oh that's oh, awesome she is she loves tattoos I I don't have any tattoos which Me neither. like uh, you don't either no oh yeah I, I I don't know what it is about it I just get really nervous about the idea of getting a tattoo but yeah she has 14 of them and she was like in the waiting room to get one and they had it up on the TV in there uh it was specifically the episode it was a Halloween episode which are some of the the best Bob's episodes where uh you know Bob and Linda and the and Tina and Jean are playing a prank on Louise in a haunted house and she absolutely loved it she was like i need to watch more of this nice. and uh yeah now whenever i go to visit her we end up putting on uh bob's burgers episodes wow that's great that's kind of a fun thing to do with mom too it's low stakes good emotions good vibes good feelings exactly that's really cool man yeah i love it uh, well in 2022 uh, a full length feature film was released in theaters after delays and delays and delays from the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic it originally was scheduled to release in July of 2020 it opened alongside Top Gun Maverick and had a a middling box office performance it made back what it spent which i think is always good and it's going to make plenty in streaming and other things um did you happen to catch the Bob's Burgers film Tyler I did. I ended up catching it on streaming. Um, yeah. I remember I wanted to go see it, but 
uh, let's see, 2022. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It just, you know, it kind of fell off the the, the radar with life and everything going on. Um, you know, obviously 2022, that was kind of a busy year with the with quarantine and the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but I ended up watching it on streaming and I loved it. I, it felt yeah. like one big TV episode, which I saw some people critique it for. Um, but for me, that's kind of like what I, what I want wanted. out of a Bob's Burgers episode. I want I want yeah. like a Bob's Burger movie to feel like one big TV show. You know, as opposed to something like the Simpsons movie, which felt like this is a major, major event that I'm watching. Um, I think it's kind of interesting and, and we'll talk a little bit more about it being a musical later, but and the musicality of Bob's Burgers. But even though there were musical elements to it, like there were song and dance, it didn't really feel like a musical to me. Right. right. Um, I, 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 I know there's kind of like a trend going on now of movies hiding that they're musicals in trailers because people are really stigmatized against musicals or, or studios feel that they are. But I, I think it's kind of cool how, you know, the the music that shows up in Bob's Burgers, not only is it really like well performed, it's well composed, but I think it's just it's it's fun. And it yeah. it's it feels natural for the story. This was a hoot for us because Mike actually is not a big Bob's Burgers fan, my husband Mike. Um, but we uh, we were getting ready to move out here. We were staying in hotels. And so we didn't have access to like stream anything without complicated wires and an iPad and Wi-Fi. So we would often just watch HBO. And Bob's Burgers, the movie, was on uh, HBO or Showtime or whatever one of the free premium cable channels uh, were at the hotel. And we just had a blast with it. Um, and I had a lot of fun and you were right. We shouldn't hide that there's musical elements of anything with even the label of it being a musical doesn't have to exist, um, for you to, to go in and enjoy, because I think you can like give and take it just like you can give and take a sex scene. Like it's just another type of entertainment. That's part of something and hiding musicality is homophobic and we will not stand for it on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to be a musical, just be out and proud about it. Yeah. Listen, don't hide Apex Predator, Mean Girls musical, uh, <laughs> one of the best songs that's ever been released on Broadway. Don't hide that. I will say, I will say, I am more of an ally towards musicals as opposed to an actual fan. Like, I'm I'm pretty old school with my musical love, Sound of Music, Cabaret. Those are wow. like my two favorite musicals. Um, more recent ones, I don't get super into. But I like, I understand that people love them. People are really passionate about them. And therefore... Go with God, you know, and yeah. enjoy them all you want. Watch that Mean Girls musical. Live your best life. I uh, I prefer musicals that are based on uh, movies, if, I, if I'm being really honest. Like, yeah. truly, I loved Legally Blonde. I loved Groundhog Day, even though it was complete garbage. You need a um, Groundhog Day musical? Oh, Tyler. Um, <laughs> it, it's so bad. But it's also so good because it's Groundhog Day. And then there's songs like, and they play the songs, the same song over and over again. Cause it's oh, Groundhog God. Day. Okay, that's actually really funny. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Well, you know who also loves musicals, this is the best I could do, is Linda Belcher. And that's who we're here to talk about. Um, very specifically in the Bob's Burgers world, we're talking about Linda because she's got signature red glasses, an incredible hairdo, a thick accent, and she is the mother of the day. Um, Linda is not only like a mom to these three kids, but she's got this matriarch role in the family. And throughout the series, we see her being fun-loving and supportive. Um, with comedy and a desire to, to be a good wife to Bob, um, a good mother to her children. What made Linda Belcher the person that you wanted to come on to the podcast to talk about, Tyler? 
Well, I love Linda. I love Linda so much. Um, I think she's really interesting and kind of unique, especially looking at the time period that Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. originally came out in and how long it's lasted. And I think part of that is because people love the characters, including Linda. Um, I think she is a mother that fits into the space of being like a little bit of Marge Simpson, a little bit of Lois Griffin. She's fun loving and extremely supportive. And at the same time, she's also comfortable being authoritative. Um, You know, I don't normally see Bob, you know, be the one to tell the kids like, stop doing that. And then the kids listen. I see it's Linda. Linda's the one who's coming out and saying like, all right, stop doing that. You know, stay out of my room. You know, that, that whole bit. She's the one who actually tells the kids what to do. Now, do the kids actually do it? Eh. But she is also the person who is in charge of that. She is the the authoritative figure in that couple. But she's fun. She's She loves to have fun. She's hilarious. She's extremely supportive of everyone in her life. Um, she kind of fits all the roles that we look for in, I guess, like a 21st century mother. Um, yeah. You know, she's she's a mom. She's a wife. She's a stay-at-home mom, but the home is part of the restaurant. Right. Like it's the home is on top of the restaurant. They they have similar colors and and everything else. It, you know, so she also works in the restaurant. So she's a working mom, stay-at-home mom. She's kind of doing it all. She's like like if Liz Lemon was trying to be the one to do it all, <laughs> uh, Linda Belch is the one who actually does. I love that. And, you know, it's interesting thinking about Linda as a stay-at-home mom because in 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 a way it's like they're both stay-at-home parents and neither of them are at stay-at-home. Like they're they're it's like a Schrodinger's cat situation. Yeah. Because they kind of are, but they kind of aren't. It it makes for like talk about like bad work-life balance. Like this family does not have it. The kids don't have it, the parents don't have it, nobody's got it. Exactly. Teddy doesn't have it. Teddy doesn't know if he's a customer or a part of the family. Um, God bless. And I actually think that makes it really interesting for our conversation because that's more real than I think a lot of the other mothers that we get portrayals of in media who get a little bit more boxed in. Linda really defies that boxing system. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, it, it's kind of like we said, she's this 21st century realistic portrayal of a mother. You know, her foibles are, are foibles that you see in, you know, other mothers or other women or just other people in general. You know, we won't we won't just classify it as one gender or anything. But like, I, I think she is a good reflection of life today, um, yeah. seen through like a comedic animated lens. Yeah, I, I like Linda with Bob, too. I mean, first of all, she is unapologetically a fan of the mustache. And we Which, need more Linda representation in the world because girl, absolutely. same. Absolutely. Ditto completely. We love a mustache. We love we love the sloppy bear. Bob, we do. The slop type. <laughs> Bob is sloppy bear. I should have, we should have scheduled this better. This should have been a Thanksgiving episode. But very true. Here very we, true. <laughs> it's their time. Um, so to me, this exciting dynamic of their relationship, and you teased this a little bit earlier, they're, they're very equal. So unlike our other sitcoms, unlike our Peter and Lois's or Homer and Marge's, there is this sort of balance of chaos and order between Linda and Bob that you don't see in other things. Like in The Simpsons, Homer is the source of all conflict and chaos and Marge is the balance to that, which is fine. You get that a little bit in family guy as well. They play with it a little bit more, but in versus in another episode that we've covered, like Peggy Hill is the chaos in the Hill family and Hank balances it. But for Linda and Bob, they're so equal. So when you look at this dynamic, like what do you think of the two of them together? 
I really love that they, you know, we just talked about this with Linda. She's kind of like a good reflection of what life is like today. I think Linda and Bob are also a good reflection of like what a married couple is like today too. I guess I would qualify them as being a healthy couple because they love each other. They support each other. They're always in each other's corners. Um, When they bicker, it's not toxic. You know, I think um, I noticed this with like later episodes of sitcoms, um, you know, we'll take friends, for example, a lot of that humor is just based on like, these people really do not seem to like each other, you know, because it, it's easy laughs. But yeah. in Bob's Burgers, I feel like a lot of the humor comes from the fact that Linda and Bob do love and do support each other. They push each other when they when they fight. It's not like a massive like interruption to their marriage. Instead, it's just it feels kind of it feels natural. It feels real. Um, and they're also adults with each other too. You know, they talk about bills, they talk about their marriage. Um, they'll make dirty jokes about like this check ended in the number 69 and we high fived. And then, uh, one of the kids is like, why would you high five over that? And Linda just goes, never mind. Yeah, and, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. And then they also have that episode where they get drunk and hide the, the Easter eggs. Um, and they're in a competition with each other. But again, it's not, it never feels like there's an antipathy towards one another when they are doing that, it feels like this is a marriage. This is what a long-term relationship with a lot of years behind it looks like where there are ups and downs, but at the end of the day, they're both in it with each other. They're, they're true partners. Yeah. Well, and they, they're also a great family unit. I mean, we're going to talk about the three kids. So there's eldest Tina, uh, middle child, Jean and chaos monster, youngest child, Louise. Linda is authoritative, as you've mentioned, but really unflappably supportive of her three kids, uh, her three kids. Like no matter what they need, no matter what Tina is bringing to Linda, Tina is there to say, I support you and I love you. And so we're going to be talking about Linda as a mom throughout the episode, especially these unique connections she has with the kids. But big picture, when you think about Linda as a mom, what are the things that sort of rise to the top for you? What's the cream with Linda? I think Linda is an excellent mom, but I think she is also just so hard on herself, which Mm. is kind of like why I I really love this episode because it's Linda separated from the things that make her hard on herself. She's separated from Baba's. So she's separated from being a wife. She's separated from being a mother because the kids aren't around. She's really just on her own. It's really all about Linda. So it's kind of interesting, you know, to see what that means But when we look at Linda as the mother directly to these kids, she loves them. She loves them so much, which is so like positive and really wonderful to see. Um, And very Marge like in that sense. Um, You know, we see that she especially dotes on Jean because Jean is the mama's boy and they'll like cuddle and and, like do like, no, I love you. I love you. You know, kiss each other and everything. Um, But she wants what's best for them. And sometimes I think that means that, you know, she also ends up taking their failures as reflections mm. on herself as a mother. Um, you know, we have a couple episodes where Linda sees that the kids are like underperforming in school or they would rather build like a hamster roller coaster than go to, you know, the opera. And Linda sees that as like, oh, my God, I failed my children. My children right, are so right. stupid, <laughs> you know, Um But at the end of the day, she still loves them and supports them, which also involves like not being afraid to push them. You know, I think there's definitely episodes where I think the kids kind of get hung up on their own fears or anxieties. And Linda becomes that affectionate mother who is Mm -hmm. willing to say, like, I love you. We will be there for you. But also 
go do it. You know, this is something that you should do, or this is something you should not do. If it's something that's going to like lead to, you know, them going in a wrong, you know, path in life. Um, Which again, I think that's kind of what makes her so endearing is that we see a lot of qualities of a mother that either we see in our own mothers or we wish we could see in our own mothers or Mm. see in a mother type figure. Um, And it's really cool to see all of this come together in this vaguely New Jersey mom. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I think, though, we can't talk about Linda without talking about John Roberts's performance as Linda. So Linda has this distinct masculine voice with this heavy accent, which is performed by actor John Roberts, uh, actor and comedian. Before casting, Roberts did a lot of stand-up and created a series of stand-up bits that he turned into YouTube videos um, where he was emulating his mother. The most Linda, I mean, they're all very Linda. So if you know Roberts only has his performance, Linda and you watch any of these you're like oh he's just doing what he does but to me the most Linda is the phone call which we'll link to in the show notes Um, I know you're a big fan of Christmas tree as well and I'll give you a chance to talk about that but um, when casting for Bob's Burgers Robert's manager just happened to be close with one of the writers and that's the way that he got connected to this performance got cast and they ended up changing the view that they had of Linda because of Robert's so Tyler what do you think about Robert's performance uh, his YouTube work. Like, what do you think about this guy? Uh, my God, he's iconic. Like his, <laughs> his performance as Linda. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why we all love Linda so much. Is she has this very heavy accent. It feels like a very lived in person. This feels like a real person that you would hear, you know, talking at like the deli or, you know, just anything like that. She feels like a, she sounds, she feels she is like this real woman. And right. I think, Robert, like I said, like, like, or like you mentioned the Christmas tree. I really love that one. I actually showed that to my own mother around Christmas time. And she was like, that is so me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about my mother later. uh, Talk about the the mother issues and everything. But, you know, I think, you know, over the seasons, it's so easy to start off the show and see Robert's doing a character. But then as the time progresses, and especially you see this in some of like, quote unquote schmaltzy episodes he really kind of is linda like he he goes from being this stereotype of a northeastern mom into like oh this is linda belcher mother to louise who is feeling such and such type of way and roberts really nails that performance yeah it's it's really fun because the episode we're talking about today is actually one of the things that uh, Roberts got nominated for for an Emmy, and it, he says it's his favorite episode of Linda, and I can totally see why he gets to do a lot of fun things with her. Um, I there. Are, there are more favorable Linda performances to me, but not in Linda-centered episodes. Um, because despite all the things happening to Linda, she doesn't get to scream a lot this episode. <laughs> um, and I love when Robert screams as Linda, just sort of ethereally. I, but these are like Thanksgiving episodes, and they're they're great. But like, it's it's just fun to have them, right? Uh, But I think we also need to talk about that eldest daughter, Tina, is voiced by Dan Mintz. So that means the only female identifying regular voice actor is Kristen Kristen Skull as Louise, which she has respectfully challenged the creators about, like, at Comic-Con. It's pretty awesome that she was like, yeah, I'm the only woman here because you casted dudes for, like, female roles. So, Tyler, what do you think about the gender imbalance of the cast? Like, it works, and I and I don't want someone else to be voicing 
hosting these folks, but but it, it is kind of stark when you think about it. Totally. I'm I'm so glad that you brought this up because this was definitely something that I was, you know, thinking about a lot before, you know, we we kind of exchanged show notes, just like it is an elephant in the room, especially with, you know, you and I, we're pretty terminally online people. You know, we <laughs> see a lot of, of people discussing like, you know, so you know, so and so should be voicing, you know, this type of person, um, because it's more equitable and it's giving access and um you know the ability for people to see you know people like them playing roles like them um and i think that stuff is is so critically important at the same time though it's really hard to to say like john roberts shouldn't play linda because in many ways john roberts is linda when we hear linda we are hearing john roberts and the two are inextricably inextricably linked and it's kind of the same way with Dan Mintz is Tina, where Tina oh, just yeah. has this very distinctive voice and this very distinctive personality. And if you were to suddenly take Dan Mintz away from that, it's going to be weird. But it is really shitty to not have female voice actors be represented in the regular cast. I think the show creators or the show runners are really good about having extremely hilarious female voice actors playing female roles. Like um, there's Jillian Bell as Nat Kinkle. You have Wendy Molyneux as Jen, the babysitter. And of course you have Jenny Slate as Tammy Larson. Oh God. Um, to die for. To, to, to die, die for. for. Uh, oh my God. I, lo- I love all of them so much. Um, and they're hysterical. But, um, you know, I think it is at the same time, like, oh God, if I, if I kind of like have a time machine and I could go back to 2011 or 2010, whenever they're casting this stuff and just be like, for the love of God, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just shake them uh, and, and have, you know, just as hilarious women playing those roles. I, I, I maybe would, I, I don't know. I, I don't it's have hard. that kind of technology yet. Um, it, but... It's hard for a lot of reasons because it's, it, you know, we, I have talked about the Simpsons on this episode. We, we talk about it at gimmicks. Um, and right after this episode drops um, here on Are You My Mother, we'll be covering Avatar The Last Airbender on gimmicks. And we'll be talking about the specific way that they went to like cast children um, because children don't get cast in animated sitcoms. They cast adults with childlike voices, which means that women often end up playing boys roles like Nancy Cartwright famously is Bart Simpson. Um, and we wouldn't redo that. And I actually don't know that I have as much problem with with it going that direction because women don't get as many opportunities as men get. So it's one of those like really interesting things to like weigh and balance around VA and where where actors come from, how they're treated, why they were selected. Um, and it you know we're looking at it today because it's still ongoing. But you're right, this is a decision that was made 15, 16 years ago when they were getting this all ready to go. Exactly. Yeah, and it it's so difficult to to say like what is the correct answer here because i don't think there really is one at the end of the day um i think we have to deal with like this is the reality that we are existing with this is the timeline where in bob's burgers they they cast these you know obviously hilarious male voice actors to play female voices um and we just kind of have to like do better i think it's worth still calling out and demanding better in future projects from the Bob's Burgers team, which to their credit, I think they do in oh. other projects like Central Park. Um, yeah. But I, I think, you know, if we keep on doing that, if Kristen Shaw keeps on bringing up like, hey, um, in her own hilarious way, um, I think we will see, you know, change in, in the future. But in the meantime, this is this is what we have and we should be able to talk about it. 
Yeah. Do you, have you uh, watched Central Park? I haven't yet. It's been on my list. It's been on the mm-hmm. quote, the like the list trademark um, for a very long time. I really do want to watch it, um, but it's just, oh, man, there's so much, much shit. There's too much shit. Too much. To too much shit. Too much shit. Too much shit to watch. You know, it's interesting because one of my favorite relationships in Bob's Burgers is actually between Linda and Tina. And I, and I, and I, as I was like sort of putting this together and thinking about how they were, they're two women that were voiced by men. I, I even wondered if there's like this depth of their characterization that comes from that in that uh, Tina almost seems like she belongs more to Linda because they share this sort of masculine voice just by the very nature of who they are. Uh, and I wondered like what you thought about that parallel between these, these two characters who just happen to be voiced by, by male VOs. I think the I think that it's a wonderful dynamic. I think really kind of everyone works together so well, and it's just so funny to see Linda and Tina partially because, you know, they, they have those differences of voice and, you know, Roberts gets to be really elevated and all over the place with how he controls uh, Linda's voice and Tina is very monotone and really her only difference is like monotone, but up monotone, but down. Yeah. And, um, you know, to see those two interact with each other is, is always hysterical. Like I'm kind of remembering this episode when Tina is first learning how to do like a really fun, um, like clapping game and Linda is trying to teach Tina this and Tina is just not getting it. And Linda is just like, all right, you're starting to make mommy sad. <laughs> That's so on point. Yeah. That's so on point. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's funny. Uh, we haven't really, t- and Tina's not the focus of the conversation, but before I had watched Bob's Burgers, I was working with a group and one of my employees uh, came up to me and they said, you know, you sound just like Tina from Bob's Burgers. Um, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to check it out. And then she became so self-conscious about this thing that she had shared that she like avoided me for weeks and weeks no. and weeks. Um, and eventually I had to finally be like, well, I am your boss. Like, well, it's just like, not, not like a like rude patriarchal way, but like, this didn't hurt my feelings. I didn't really think about it for like a second thing, but like, you've talked to everyone in the office now about how like you have brought sin and shame upon your family. <laughs> because <of this> thing <laughs> you shared. I don't hear it. Um, but I don't, I don't also consciously listen to myself when I make frustrated noises. And I think that's what she was referring to was, uh, Tina's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, which I do think I do when I'm frustrated. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I totally get that. God bless her. Well, we're going to dive deeper into a conversation about Linda with a Linda centric episode from season five, episode 18. Eat, spray, Linda. So here in this episode, Linda wakes up on her birthday. She mumbles in complaint a bit about turning 44, which like all animated characters uh, will be the sixth or seventh time she's turned 44 um, in the series. Uh, The kids come in with a surprise breakfast in bed for her birthday. So my first chance to ask you, Tyler, have you ever brought breakfast in bed to someone in your life? I have with my own mom. Whoa, shit. We got to talk about this. Like, what's <laughs> do you, you did? You did this sitcom thing that I've never heard anyone do. I love this. Yes, I am living proof that it happens in the real world. Um, it was a Mother's Day treat. Um, it was something that we would do for a couple of years when I was really little. My dad would make breakfast. Um, I want to say maybe it was like scrambled eggs and toast. 
Um, and then I would go bring it to her with her her Diet Coke because um, she is a Diet Coke fiend. Uh, wow. But, <laughs> but um, you know, this this is something that I think we only really did as a kid, too. Um, as you get older, my mother kind of expected more, not in like a really <laughs> negative way or anything, but just like. Well, you had you capacity. Should... So like you should do something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, breakfast in bed. That's cute. What else? You know, <laughs> it's just um, but I am indeed proof that it does happen. Wow, that's incredible. The thought to and and I I don't know where this comes from because I don't really have like a germ thing, but the thought about food in bed is somehow like really really stuck in my brain. So I would never bring breakfast to someone in bed. I I would think that that is for like you're you're dying of consumption and I'll bring you some soup <laughs> to live out your final moments. Right, right. Wow. I Tyler, that made me so happy that you have done that. Did you also – well, see, your dad was making the breakfast. I guess the, the sitcom trope is also that the breakfast has to be bad. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's what we see in this episode is that the kids bring her blackened toast, which Gene says – Every year I say, why does she like it this way? But then I say, hey, make it the way she likes it. God, and, I love Gene. I love and, Gene so much. <laughs> and Linda is just too nice to say, no, <laughs> this is not how I want it, kids. Uh, so she just kind of goes along with it. And then as the kids leave the room, then she's like, bring me a different toast. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's I thankfully did not have to suffer the indignities of making the burnt toast. I left that all up to my dad. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, well, downstairs, Bob is actually preparing for Linda's spa day. That's what they're planning on doing for her birthday, but they're missing some ingredients. So they ask Linda to stay in her room until they are ready. Linda offers instead to go to the store to get them what they need, which turns into a little bit of a laundry list, or I guess a grocery list of things for her to pick up uh, while she goes to the good store, um, which works perfectly fine because it gives Bob and the kids more time to get ready. If, if you were Linda, because you know Linda pretty well, what would you have wanted for your birthday, Tyler? Okay, so if I were Linda and I had all the money in the world, I had fish odor money, I would probably want to have a trip to the winery. I would want some wine mom merch because, bless her heart, that's what Linda is at the end she of the day. Is. She's a wine who, mom. Who, what, where, when wine is a pillow that she owns <laughs> in her home. Absolutely. And if not, maybe that's what they should get her for the, her 45th birthday. Um, honestly, though, I think a spa day is a great idea. So really big kudos to Bob. And again, we talked about this. They're a really good couple. They're a good partnership. Bob does kind of have a good sense of like, this is what Linda would love to have. Um, but classic Bob in Bob's own way, he's barely holding it together. And yeah. as we can see, he doesn't have everything he needs. So he's got to rely on the wife. I do like that as Lynn is leaving, Tina asks for mayonnaise and Tina goes, it's not for a surprise. Just get me mayonnaise and I need it today. <laughs> it's absolutely for the spa day that they're making. Totally. Well, we follow Linda out into her car. She's driving to the store and she's got her friend Ginger on the phone. It sounds like they're having a conversation, but Linda is just leaving a voicemail. She says that she hates her birthday and she sees that one of the streets is closed for the Chalk Festival, Chalk of the Town. We'll be coming back to that one later. I also hate my birthday. It's just not important to me. And it's something that used to actually feel really suffocating for my mother because it was important to her because she did this big thing. Um, and I was just letting like biology do its thing. Biology and gravity were getting me out of there. So Tyler, what are your thoughts on birthdays? So I think birthdays are so fascinating in conversations like this because they're really divisive. Like you said that you don't really have much affection for birthdays. I really like birthdays. I like my birthdays. Um, but my mother also went out of her way to make each one memorable mm, in a nice. way that I don't think necessarily made it all about her. 
at the end of the day, it was still my birthday. I was an only yeah. child, so like everything was about me growing up. Um, but there was this one year um, that she like she had to like go out of town. Like her friend, like her childhood friends were in town, and they were like at this beach resort, and she wanted to spend that time with them because uh, you know the the holidays and the timing and everything just lined up. So I was just gonna have like a quiet birthday at home, um, but it ended up not being so good and she ended up feeling guilt for that for years oh no for for years and then every birthday following that she would try to make up for it and at the end of it she was like is this better than than your 15th birthday and i'm like yes mom it is i promise wow wow that is wow 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 that's not how mother guilt is supposed to work it's supposed to go the other way not in this case mom wow yeah, no, she's uh, she's the one that feels guilt. Actually, it's funny now that I'm thinking about it. This pa- my past birthday, my uh, my 33rd birthday. Um, I had to stay home, uh, because we just had like a lot going on. And you know, my mother, bless her heart, the other day she was texting me and she was just like, "I don't think we got you anything for your birthday. Quick, make a list. I will buy you anything on the list." And it's <laughs> like, you really don't have to do this. I am a grown man who pays taxes. Yeah, like. <laughs> It's okay if we skip this one. Um, yeah, but, you I, know, I, that's I can't a... just send my mom a list that I already have because I keep that for FinDom people. Like, I can't just send my mom <laughs> that list. It's a joke. That's a joke. I don't have. I, mean, I do have that list if you're interested, listener. <laughs> that's the show notes. <laughs> yeah. My, my wish tender is in the show notes. Thank you very much, <laughs> you degenerates. Yeah, you know, I they just never really worked for me. They were it's funny because I had two cousins who were very like siblings to me, um an older one and a younger one and our birthdays were all like very close together, so we would do something together. My birthday is also a few days after July 4th, which is a big family get together because of blowing shit up, which you know, any American loves to do. Love that. Uh and then, you know, I I really struggled on my birthdays when I was older and an adult, and I think that really turned me off from that. <laughs> Very understandable. Like I said, yeah. birthdays, like give or take um, at the end of the day, they're very divisive. You know, yeah. some people like them. Some people don't. My partner, Marshall, not a huge fan of birthdays. Um, and, you know, we just kind of have like a chill. We have a chill time for them because at the end of the day, I think the birthday is meant to be for you. Yeah. And as you get older, it becomes less about like, I need to have like a big party. And it's more about like, this is supposed to be my day, at least how I yeah. see it. Um, that being said, I will abuse the fuck out of like a free birthday thing. Oh, yeah. So if I'm getting like a Sunday, I mean, I am Bart Simpson in this way. I will go to a tango lesson. I will do whatever I need to do to get the most economically out of what this is supposed to be. Honestly, David, in this time period, in this life that we live in, like if you can get free shit, get that free shit it. because it's not going to be free forever. Get it. Yes, Exactly. Um, Well, I love that in an episode where we're learning things about Linda, we have this exchange with Ginger here in the car as well. Ginger, correct me if I'm wrong, is a character we never see, we never hear. She only exists as like a part of Linda. She's like Wilson if Wilson didn't also reply to Tim on Home Improvement. I am obsessed with Ginger. (laughs) Ginger is wonderful. In a a more recent season, we do see the back of Ginger's head, which... (gasps) I know. Scandal. I know. Believe it or not, red hair. Um, but we never hear from her. 
We never see her face. So in that way, she is kind of like Wilson. But I just think it's so funny. And it's such like a mom thing to do for Linda to live this or leave this incredibly long voicemail to her best friend talking about all sorts of sundry things. And at the end of it, she's just like, all right, Ginger, sorry for the long voicemail. And then hangs up. It was nice, Ginger. It was nice as always. But then they wanted me to stay in my room forever while they set something else up. I was going crazy in there. Meanwhile, no one did the shopping. So that's what I'm doing. Ugh, chalk festival. What's next? A crayon convention? A pencil parade? Right? Anyway, I know my family means well, but I wish I could just tell them I hate my birthday. You get to a certain age and then no fun. In my 20s, I had baba boom. Now I just have baba flirt. And it feels like breakfast in bed is just practice now for when they put me in a home, right? <laughs> well, anyway, thanks for letting me vent, Ginger. Sorry for the long voicemail. Call me when you can. Love you, kid. Bye. It's so great. It's a nice reveal. It actually got me because I, I, I didn't... I, I know of Ginger. I guess I didn't clock that that's who she was supposed to be talking to um, while I was taking notes. And then when she said the voicemail line, I literally laughed out loud. Like, it was a great, it was a great bit for totally. me as a viewer. Well, Linda does make her way to Patterson Farms Grocery. She's checking out with a cart full of groceries and gets cut off by Deidre, who is one of the people helping coordinate the chalk of the town chalk festival. Deidre and the clerk take forever, delaying a very frustrated Linda. And when she has finally completed buying her groceries, Linda comes back out to her car and she finds that she's been blocked in by two giant vehicles. Did this scene resonate with you? What, what's it like to have a day where everything goes wrong and maybe it being a special day to you on top of all of that? Miserable. Absolutely miserable. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, hey, Tyler, come to the podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll make you relive some terrible experiences. <laughs> my, no, my trauma. Um, no, 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 no. But I think the un- it's unfair that we live in such an uncaring universe because the stars should really align on your birthday. I think on a day like this, it's good to treat yourself to a good cry um, because on your birthday, if you can't do a little cry for yourself, then who, then when are you going to do it? But, you know, I don't know about you. I'm sure you have experienced this, but just the nightmare of trying to check out at the grocery store. Ugh, the worst. The absolute worst. Like when they when they started doing that thing where like you can order your groceries ahead and they'll bring them to the car for you. I feel guilty every time. But at the same time, it's like I don't have to deal with this person with the 50,000 items trying to check out and the 10 items or less and making me want to shake them. Um, those people are the bane of my existence. We live in a society of rules and rules are meant to be followed. I love that. We, you know, we've recently moved to Spain. And so not only are we learning the language and the custom, but we are also learning what it means to go to the grocery store. And a lot of the time we're just like bluffing our way through it. Um, It's a lot of saying yes to things that we don't know what we're saying yes to. And uh, it can be, it can continue to be like wildly frustrating because there are these like unwritten rules about what it means to be in communal spaces. Um, Like you can't just... You're, you're done getting everything checked out, but you also wanted a leg of lamb. Like, you can't go back. It's done. You should have thought of it when you were in the lamb section. We're mm-hmm. not waiting for you. Um, and yet, here we are with Deidre, who just, like, pieces out, walks away, and just expects everyone to wait on her. Mm-mm. No. Dreadful. No. I don't like it. I don't like it. And on top of it, I don't like that Linda can't get home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I... So... Not to dox myself, but I live in Florida, home to Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Love Publix. Um, Unfortunately, their prices have gone up, but that's a tale for another day. Um, But just like 
the struggle of trying to get out of Publix, saying politely, no, you can bring your own groceries to the car. You don't need them brought for you. But then getting to the car, trying to dodge around all the people that are trying to get a parking spot, then getting to the car and then trying to get out of there. Absolute nightmare. And then, of course, you have yeah. to return the cart because hopefully you're not a sociopath who's right. you know just oh, yeah. leaving your carts around like, you know, uh, like you were raised in a barn. Um, it's it's a complete nightmare. So I really felt for Linda in this scene. Yeah, the parking lot is also the challenging part of all of that. Um, I hope though you had a Publix uh, like chicken sandwich while you were there because that would have like taken you through the negative experience that you were having. I do my best to get the chicken tender pub sub mm-hmm. every time I go to a Publix when there's a sale going on. Like I said before, prices have gone up, which unfortunately includes price on the chicken tender pub sub even when That's it's on sale. This is disappointing. We're it's we're great. coming to the United States just to eat that, like in a couple months. Oh, like, really? Just to go to a public? No, no. We're uh, like, <laughs> seeing family. <laughs> oh, understandable. But sure. if you told, if you were honest about it, I would be like, yeah, right. I yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah, we plan on moving out of uh, the hell state of Florida uh, at some point in the near future, and I think that's the only thing I'll miss. Is, is yeah, that's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I get it, though. I get it. Um, well, we follow the story along uh, back at home. Things continue to move forward for Linda's spa day, but Bob and Bob and the kid are kind of idiots, so it's really not going ideally at all, and we get some good laughs at their expense. Back with Linda, Linda has loaded her groceries into her wedged-in car. Um, she drops an orange, and when trying to retrieve it, gets gum in her hair. Um, great, great work on the the voice here about, like, oh, gum. Yeah. Uh, Linda attempts to get into her car, but she can't fit with the SUVs flanking her. She attempts to squeeze in, splits her pants, and drops her keys and cell phones and locks herself out of the car. Terror. Oh, sheer, no. Sheer terror and anxiety from this <laughs> um you know i mean most cars this is impossible to do but the anxiety about it is so real mm-hmm. that and truly for me it was like oh my god her cell phone is not in reach like <laughs> um like that should stay in your back pocket at all times linda when um we come back from the commercial linda has gone back into the grocery store and asked the clerk if she can use their phone the clerk says no and remarks that her pants are ripped so linda grabs a plastic bag and fashions a diaper to cover the rip now this has happened to me not the plastic bag part but i once missed the last bus home my cell phone was dead and i went into a grocery store to ask if they could call me a cab or if i could call a cab um and if they knew like a cab's phone number because i have no way of getting that and they said no so i just walked the rest of the way home grumpily and angrily um and uh it was about two two and a half hours i am truly so genuinely shocked by this because i i honestly thought that only happened in sitcoms yeah uh, i i thought that a grocery store would be okay with you using their phone when it's an emergency situation like this and you had well listen it wasn't an emergency as they say to linda here (laughs) Oh my god! Two hours though, jeez. Yeah, it was also it was also cold. I only had a hoodie on. I probably looked like I tried to flag down cabs as I walked, and either they were like not interested, or they were like, "No, there's no way I'm picking this guy up." I would go. I would stop at like a gas station and get a hot cocoa to like stay warm. It was pretty miserable. And then by the end, I was like, "This is a fun story for the rest of my life that I did this." It's stupid, but it was a fun story. (laughs) And now you can use it on your podcast. Didn't travel without a battery, though. I'll tell you that. I was like, not fucking around with under 20% battery on a phone. Very true, yeah. 
You never, this has never happened to you then. You've never needed to use the phone at a grocery store. No, mercifully I have not. Um, I've, I've been in situations. uh, Well, I actually, I should say my mother has been in situations. She keeps coming up in this podcast, fittingly enough, (laughs) uh, where she lost her cell phone at the airport and only (gasps) realized it um, after she had departed. Um, And she got a phone call or like, I got a phone call from her number saying like, Hey, we found it. Can you come pick it up? Thankfully they were still in the same city as me. So I went to go pick it up, but she had to go fly out of state without her phone. Oh, wow. Wow. You imagine that happening now. This was maybe like eight or so years ago, but like now when literally everything is on your phone, dreadful couldn't imagine no i say i say thank god for that mobile pass i see people using their watch and i was like that is a dangerous game you should use your phone because then you know you have your phone exactly yeah that's scary no i left my phone in the seat back pocket once and boy they um they ran to get me um, because they they knew what gate i was going to of course i would have figured it out but um just good people good people at delta thank you delta thank you Uh, delta sponsor of the air just kidding we sponsor (laughs) nothing well if they want Um, if they want to sponsor this podcast then how about you pay the pensions for the people who worked for you and then you can look at sponsorship of podcasts hell yeah hell yeah get on it bitches well we are back at the belcher home bob is trying to call linda of course she can't pick up her cell phone is stuck in the car so instead uh figuring that something must have happened bob calls his friend teddy to drive them to the store and help linda with whatever she needs uh, i don't have a i don't have a section for us to talk about teddy but it's interesting how often teddy shows up teddy really is like the unofficial like extended member of the belcher family yeah i got He's in the say. movie a lot teddy is teddy is all over the movie teddy is all over the place honestly with like really good ideas too like that <laughs> that that food cart was pretty clutch at the end of the day even if they got chased by carnies and who, well, who hasn't, truly and honestly? Honestly, yeah, yeah. As a Floridian, it happens all the time. <laughs> well, Linda is going to take the bus home. She flags down a bus and asks if it goes to the wharf. The driver says yes, and he lets her get on, even though that she doesn't have the fare. I thought this was going to be a conflict point, but he's actually very, very helpful, uh, except that it's not the right wharf. It's going to Wildwood Wharf. Um, and so Linda is going the wrong way, and the bus will take too long to get home. She gets off at the next stop and intends to walk the rest of the way. Oh, Linda. <laughs> What did you think about this bus driver? I loved how like pleasant and cheerful he is. That I don't know if you take the bus a lot. That's not really a bus driver thing. Yeah. I uh I do not take the bus very often, but in my experience, bus drivers tend to be very to the point. Yeah. Um and so it's a hard this job. One, you know, this one is just that that kind of surreal fun that is yeah. existing in the Bob's Burgers universe. I think that's another reason why it's so pleasant to watch, is you run into all sorts of bizarre characters. Um not quite so zany as like a Simpsons Springfield citizenry type of thing. But you do run into just like the most random, you know, people who kind of flip the script on the type of person that you expect to run into. Yeah. Well, Bob, Teddy and the kids find Linda's car in the Patterson Farms grocery parking lot. So they figure she must be walking home. They wonder where she might be going, what she might be doing. She probably got hungry, they they think. And Jean suggests that they try Devendorf's Bakery, where Linda and Jean go sometimes to taste free samples. 
And we'll figure out what's going on with that in a second. For now, we're at the rural bus stop. Linda has got off the bus and she is walking her way through the field. She tries to look on the bright side after walking through a pile of mud. And it's really beautiful, Linda, because the next thing that happens is she gets sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> and, and her quintessential, oh, my face. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. <laughs> that takes us to the commercial. It's, it's really a great act out as well. I also do want to ask, though, David, yeah. uh, you know, you're asking me all these questions. I want to flip the script on you. Do it. You know, Bring I it. think of you as being like a really positive and, and friendly person, uh, you know, whenever we interact and, and asking me to be on this show, which, again, I'm so grateful for. Um, but how do you feel on days like the one that Linda's having when the universe is trying to bring, you know, this storm cloud to your bright side? You know, it's funny because I end up like Linda at the end of the day. In this episode, it's one of the things I was reading about, like the AV Club's review is like, what a what an unrealistic ending. And like truly and honestly, getting through shit is so great. But in the moment, it is miserable. I mean, people feel this kind of suffering all the time. And because it was my job to listen and hear and sort of be a conduit of healing, um, I, I guess I have this level set of like how bad things can be. So when my brain triggers into either depressive cycle or an anxiety cycle um, and, I, and I'm struggling with things, I do have some skills and tactics that are built up that help me to remain like on the right side of like light and hope, um, which is like, it sounds like some Kingdom Hearts bullshit, but it's also like, it's real and, and it's necessary for us to be successful because we're living in a world where like you get constantly bombarded with the worst things ever that are far away. They might be millions, not millions of miles away. That's out of the solar system, but they might be a hundred miles away from you, but you still feel it like it's next door. And so that leaves all of us kind of vulnerable to something happening personally in our lives that can like ruin our day. Um, and so I, you know, I would tell coworkers and employees and even my bosses, like we're all like, one shitty thing happening away from having the worst day of our lives. And so when that does happen to you, be good and kind to yourself, have someone in your life you can talk to. It might not be your spouse or partner. Like Mike is great, but he's an accountant. He doesn't know how to like deal with feelings and emotions unless I can put them in a spreadsheet. And if I put them in a spreadsheet, I've solved the problem myself. I don't need him. <laughs> so I, I guess it's very kind of you to say that I, I'm really positive and upbeat. I think it's my duty and um, debt to the world to be a force of positivity whenever I can be. And when it's time to like shut up and sit down, that's what I need to do too. And recognize that like, I'm not gonna be able to fix everything. I have power, I wanna use it for whatever good I can. But sometimes the best thing that someone like me can do is to just go away. And then when that needs to happen, that's what I'll do too. That is such a wonderful answer. Thank you. Aw, oh, sweet. Thank you for asking me a question. That was really cute. Yeah. And that was our schmaltzy moment on this episode. Are you <laughs> I hope that brought a tear to your eye. <laughs> no, I, I truly believe that like we owe each other a debt to the world. Like truly, I, I mean, this is like my philosophy. We owe each other whatever we can be for each other. And then from there, it's all just fucking art. Like, just make sure that people are well and then do what you can to do something that makes the world a little better. I agree. I, I think that's yeah. a really good mindset to have, um, you know, because it, it is we live in a very troublesome time. Um, I know I, I feel like sometimes people will be like faux optimistic or overtly optimistic without being realistic and say like, oh, you know, we live in such a wonderful time where, you know, we have fewer wars and, and everything else sure. going on in the world. And while that might be true, we also have so many other problems and we are oh, yeah. extremely aware of those problems. And I think 
it's important to recognize those things, but to not fall into despair. And I think kind of like having that mindset and having that, that sense of duty towards other people, um, I think is what keeps on keeping you empathetic, a critical thinker. um, And uh, yeah, absolutely. I I totally get where you're coming from. I I really hope, you know, podcasts like this, where it's just kind of like two friends riffing um, on, on a TV show is, is something that brings light and joy to people on, on troublesome days. So um, you know, kudos to you for for doing all this and keep it. Oh, up. thanks. Yeah. Anybody can do it. You just have to want it um, and not not be Joe Rogan. I guess that's the only other thing that I do on a daily basis to not be miserable. Please, for the love of Christ, do not be Joe Rogan. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, we're going to come back from commercial into Bob's Burgers, and we are back in the field. Linda is continuing to encounter hardship after hardship. Uh, She trips, breaks her glasses, and gets sprayed by a skunk again, or possibly the same skunk, you know, up for some debate. The family, though, finds themselves at Devendorf's bakery. Jean leads the family inside, and they ask after Linda, discovering that a photo of her has been taken and on it written, do not feed. Uh, She has been accused and found guilty of abusing the free samples system there at Devendorf's, and she hasn't been to the bakery that day. I think anxiety about free samples is common, but I posit that most people who offer free samples don't care as long as you're polite. So I also have to wonder what linda did (laughs) have you ever felt anxiety about a free sample all the time all the time i am a very socially anxious person by nature um so talking to strangers still kind of sort of makes me nervous um my partner marshall thankfully does not feel that way they are probably one of the most positive and outgoing people i've ever met um and among the friendliest so they are going to walk up to that free sample person make conversation with them hopefully improve their day at least that's my perspective because I love them and I assume that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then get those free samples. Um, and I've tried many free samples that way. Uh, I remember like last summer we went to Sam's club together and we got a sample of like a hamburger and I was just like, this is going to taste like garbage. And then I ate yeah. it. And I was like, this tastes incredible. <laughs> did you end up buying it? We did. Wow. That's, that's it. See, we've never bought anything that we free sampled because either, either we try it and, don't like it, which is the the, the sales like moot. Yeah. Or we try it and it has satisfied whatever we needed for that to exist in our lives, and then we're not interested <laughs> in it anymore. Oh uh, no, you you've defeated the purpose of the free sample. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're like the worst, the worst free sample. But I used to, you know, I used to work for colleges and universities, and so I was one of those people that like your first week of classes, you like have to learn about all the things that exist on campus. And so I would go out for the counseling center, and we would like hand out. Like, I don't know, fucking ship clips. Like, if you're having trouble keeping it together, talk to a counselor. We never used that, but can I tell you, I came up with that at the top of my head, and that would have been a great slogan. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, And, like, sometimes a student would come up, and they'd just, like, steal everything and put it in a bag. And I was like, great, less for me to fucking take to the office. And sometimes somebody would come up and, like, gingerly be like, is it okay that I have this? Ma'am, I would like to go home. Like, I don't take your (laughs) ship clip. Just take it and go. I totally get that. That was something I also worked at a uh, college and um, I worked for their writing center and yeah. there were, there were meetings uh, where we, you know, we would have an open house. So we would go to the auditorium space where, you know, you've got these prospective high schoolers coming in with their parents and we would sit there at this table and, you know, I would be really friendly and nice. And of course you can have these pens um, to anyone that came by and answered their questions. But then when they're gone, I'm just sitting there with my coworker and I'm just like, God, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a, it is a social battery draining experience. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. 
If you ever go back to that job, I would recommend getting eyegloss cleaner and say, we'll help you get to the point or see the point, see the point. We'll help you see the point because that's what you do in a writing center. You help them come up with the topic. And I will let my friends who still work in that industry. Oh, know. No. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. They're like, God, who is this guy? Don't this to me. <laughs> no, no, no. It's definitely happening now. <laughs> um, well, that's, there's a funny little bit here about Linda's hands, too. I don't get it, but I did think it was very funny because they kept like going back to it. What was it? That she had like big hands? Was she had like slender, beautiful wrists, but overly large hands. And then at one point in time, Devendorf, which I just assume is the name of the baker, is like, I couldn't get enough samples for your wife's big hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, we love big hands representation. Representation. It's not something that's seen very often, but we we love a uh, slender wrist, big hand woman. Do you, Do you have big hands? Is this? Uh, uh, is I don't. This I don't world? think I have big hands. I. Mm -hmm. I. You know. I think I. I have pretty average size hands. I think maybe it's just the perspective of the cameras right now, but I think my hands are a little bit bigger than yours. You are. I have mechanics hands, which is a nice way of saying dainty hands um, and that they can get inside a machine and like fix very small parts. You have um, Victorian which... child's hands. Thank you. Thank you. It was helpful when I lived on the farm because I could, I could fix parts of the tractor that no one else could reach uh, because I was at, I was an abnormality of the other men in my family who were <laughs> Linda Belcher giant hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda tries to hitchhike to get home. She's finally made her way to the road. Uh, the first car that stops immediately drives away after seeing and smelling her. Uh, she's been sprayed by skunks. She's wearing this plastic bag. She's got gum in her hair. My poor, my poor, poor, poor friend, Linda, is just not doing well. She eventually gets a ride in the back of a horse trailer. Which, like, we've all done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually never been in a horse trailer because really? we did not have those kind of animals on the farm. We what had kind no of animals on the farm. Okay, so... At the risk of diverging from this, I kind of need to know some David backstory about it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it was a farm in southwest Michigan, and we mostly grew grains, soybeans, and field corn, so not sweet corn. And then we would dedicate somewhere between 40 and 50 acres to vegetables, uh, where we would grow sweet corn, uh, we would grow green beans, peppers, all the sorts of things you might sell either on the roadside market, or we would take them down to South Bend. You know, we would take them down to um, Benton Harbor, Michigan, where we would go to the farmer's market and sell them by the bushel full. We also grew decorative corn. We were known for decorative corn sales, um, which is non-edible corn that comes in colors. You dry it and you put it on your door. Um, so if you visited a Michael's in the Midwest, that decorative corn came from our farm. I'm so shook right now i had no idea decorative corn was a thing yeah. i plan we are planning on moving to the midwest so i'm gonna have to go to you for all of my corn questions um the problem and i'm more than happy to help anyone who would like to, to to contact me about corn but remember that i i grew up on a 240 acre plot of land and so i don't know how to keep one plant alive i only know how to manage many many plants so when we would grow vegetables here mike would be like why is this dying and i was like i don't fucking know like i don't deal with one plant like one plant doesn't do anything for me <laughs> mike we're gonna need to talk about buying a lot more land if you want my help also, we grew soybeans in a year in, in years when I didn't know what soybeans were. And like now that I'm an adult and eat edamame like once a week, I'm like, God, we were sitting on a gold mine, a gold mine. I'm telling you <laughs> no soy milk, no nothing. We were selling that for like pennies. 
While the family is still looking for Linda, they're back in Teddy's car. The family continues to wonder where she might be. Realizing that she might need to poop, Tina shares that sometimes she and Linda go to a fancy hotel to use the bathroom, and they head that way. Tyler, let's talk about secret pooping. Let's do it. Do you have it? Do you, do you go to a workplace, or do you ever go to a workplace in your in your life? Uh, so currently I work from home and hopefully forever yeah, I work from that'd home. That would be great. Uh, but I used to work in, in offices and, and other workplaces. Sadly, um, as much as I would prefer to have a secret pooping, pooping place, um, I usually had to use the public facilities. Oh. Actually, hold on a second. I, I'm having like a, that's a Raven moment where I'm suddenly remembering, like, I did have a secret pooping place. Oh. <gasps> Tell us about it. So at that community college, which I will not divulge the name of, uh, there was a place where C-suite people, or as close to C-suite as you can get as a a community college, would go. And there was a passcode that had the door locked and everything else. And I found out that code. And I went into that bathroom. And it was nothing special. However, it was private. So I could do... I, I could I could do all sorts of sinning in there and yeah. I would be and I would be protected from it. When uh, my first job, we worked in a converted old clinic, like people died of influenza in it. And so every office had an ensuite bathroom, but there were no closets. So we would typically like board over the shower or the bathtub and put like bookshelves on it. So it's not a space you wanted to be in a lot because there was like paper all over the place. But one of the rooms that had an ensuite bathroom was also where we did massages. And so we all would look at the massage therapist's schedule and be like, oh, nobody's there. I need to go poop. And we would write, I'm thinking on the whiteboard. And that just was a signal to everyone in the office that somebody was dropping a number two and give them some space. Like, that's all people need. I love that. First of all, that you had a massage therapist that worked in that office. And then second of all, that you had like the specific code for secret pooping. Yeah, secret pooping. And because everyone needs a place to poop, and we in the United States don't like allow that to happen very well. Right. Uh, and so I, I'm happy that work from home is happening because a lot of people, I think, feel more comfortable having access to their bathroom on a regular basis. We'll have to do a revisit uh, Bob's Burgers episode where we're talking about Bob as, the, as a father here and the episode where Tina or Louise needs to learn how to poop in public. But being in public is it's hard. There are a lot it's of very hard. Like messed up shit around it. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Then I did like 150 miles on the Appalachian Trail, and you just poop in nature, and then you, you let some of this go. It's just some some of it just like falls away because <laughs> shame. you just can't hold on to what, it. What is shame at that point? A lot a lot of things fell by the wayside during that hike. I will tell you. <laughs> Uh, we are at the Royal Oyster Hotel. Everyone goes to the bathroom, but there's no Linda there. A security guard comes by and asks them if they're guests, but he actually knows Linda because she comes in frequently to poop. The pianist, Tim, even sings a song about Linda coming in called BM in the PM, indicating that she only comes in in the afternoon and it's not afternoon yet, so she wouldn't have come by. The guard asked the family to stay, excited to finally get to meet them after talking to Linda so often. And we had a good little moment of Bob being like, wow, there's this part of Linda that I don't really know. Did get a new potpourri. Mom's gonna love it. Hey, excuse me, are you guests of the hotel? No, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're just looking for my wife. She sometimes comes here to use the restroom. Oh, Linda? You must be Bob. Yes. Wait, you, you know her? Well, as much as you can know a woman who comes to your hotel once or twice a week to poop. Hey, isn't it her?
her birthday today? Uh, yes. Hey, Tim, have you seen Linda today? Oh, please, it's barely noon. She does her PM in the PM. Hi, Tim. Hey, Tina, how you doing, girl? Huh, well, she's not here, so we better go. What? No, stay a little. We finally get to meet you after all these years. Years? Where does the time go? We, we really gotta find my wife. Nice meeting you, though. Bye. Bye. Say hi to Linda for me. Tell her we got new potpourri. She was absolutely right. That will do. Tim is also voiced by John Roberts, and often Roberts would improvise Linda's songs, but this song, BM and the PM, has writers associated with it, so I gotta assume this one was... was uh, uh, spelled out a little bit more. This is our chance to talk about musicality in Bob's Burgers because this seems to come out of nowhere, but it's so delightful. So I I agree. This is such a delightful moment. And it's one of those things that gets stuck in my head. BM in the PM. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I think Lauren Bouchard, the, you know, the creator of Bob's Burgers, he wants to make like a full on musical, like Les Miserables style so bad. Um, and then, you know, we talked about this to his credit. Those Bob's Burgers like songs, both in the That's show so and in the movie, are just so catchy and you know i've i've heard the same thing about central park which is definitely more of like a full-on musical program um and you know i think those musical moments that are both sung and are non-diegetic just sort of like we invented a song for the show for the characters to do things too while this plays in the background um are just so brilliant they're so wonderful there's a reason yeah. that they've released you know, Bob's Burgers musical soundtracks more than once. Um, the Mad Pooper song uh, from this episode where Tina is investigative reporter is a personal favorite of mine. I love that. I love that so much. Well, since we didn't find her at the hotel, we got to figure out where Linda is. We can see where Linda is because we're the audience. And we find that she's four blocks from home, four sweet, simple blocks from home. But there's something that stands in her way, and it's the Chalk of the Town Festival. Linda goes to the festival to try to make her way through, but who is there except for her arch nemesis from the grocery store, Deidre? Linda breaks through Deidre because she doesn't have a ticket and runs through Deidre's chalk masterpiece, which enrages her. And that's going to take us out to the commercial. So, Tyler, first and foremost, have you been to a chalk festival? I have... Mm, no, I have not been to a chalk festival. Now, have I experimented with chalk in my own life? Sure. Yes, I have. Wow. Have I actually been to an event that's all about it? I have not, but I am familiar with the concept. Okay, they are trippy. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, like they get sort of a dealt because they're the antithesis. They're they're sort of the like enemy of the episode because it's blocking Linda from like being home and safe, but they are pretty trippy. And we see at one point in time that Linda jumps over one that looks like a chasm. When these things are drawn, right, they do some optical illusion stuff. That is pretty cool. That is so fascinating. I'm definitely going to have to keep an eye out for a future chalk festival just yeah. for this reason. As a colorblind person, I like geometry stuff a lot better than I like some of the optical illusion things because some of them just don't work at me. And so then I'm with a group of people who are just staring at something being like, oh, man, this is the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, God, so boring. It's like a sunset. I just don't get anything out of it. It's just so boring. <laughs> uh, it's a sunset. We have one of those every day. Come on. Listen, it will come back tomorrow or <laughs> or we're in much bigger shit than yeah. me not enjoying this. When we come back from commercial, Linda is fleeing from Deidre. Linda is carefully avoiding the art, but Deidre is not. Uh, and she eventually makes it all the way through. Right. And I think it's I think it's so interesting and really shows Linda's character that the only time Linda messes up chalk art is by accident. And thankfully, it's it's Deidre's because Deidre yeah. is a terrible person. 
um, or we've been taught to think that uh, about Deidre from what we've seen of her. Um, every other time, she is carefully avoiding the rest of the chalk guard. She leaps over that chasm. Deidre up plowing straight through it. Yep. Actually, I love while Linda's running away from her, which seems like a high stakes moment. She's like admiring some of the art as she goes by. Yeah. She's like, ooh, space. <laughs> I, I love that's so Linda's character. Yeah. She, she's just like easily distracted by shiny things, beautiful things, and willing to give a compliment about it while in you know, running for her life. Yeah. Uh, as she is doing all of this, the family, of course, is back in the car. They're wondering where she could be. And Louise hints that she might know of a place, but she's being very secretive about it. We get a smash cut to a pet store where Bob is asking if Louise and Linda come here to pet the puppies. Uh, despite her attempts to conceal this, it is revealed that, in fact, they do do that very thing. And Louise knows the puppies very well. Bob starts to realize that Linda leads this rich life. Um, and then he also realizes, oh, no, if Linda makes it home, she won't be able to get inside and they've got to head home. And I think it's so significant that Bob has this revelation about Linda, a woman that he's been with for many, many years now, that she has a life outside the restaurant. We have so many episodes of Bob's Burgers that are about Bob being you know, a workaholic. He's very focused on keeping the restaurant up and running. He's very proud of his craft. And these are all very admirable traits, even in episodes where we see like the family is forcing Bob out of the restaurant because he's just such a workaholic. He's fallen apart. And, you know, to his credit, he's also doing it to try and keep their lives afloat. So I get the stress, but you know, it's important also for Bob to have this moment of seeing that Linda is not just this person that he's, you know, kind of used to having or is, um, she he gets used to her always being there. He sees that she has this life outside. And I think it's important for Bob as a character moment. I think it's important for the audience to see that, you know, Linda has a life outside of the confines of the show. And then I think it's also important too to remember like the significant other in your life, whether it be your mother, your wife, your your person, you know, just your person. Um, they're more than just something that you could have boxed them into. Because yeah. I think, you know, in this life, we're so busy with everything going on that sometimes we don't always, you know, stop and recognize like my partner is more than just my partner. They're also their own person with their own hobbies, their own interests. And while I, you know, love to share them with my partner, I also need to recognize that this is also a person that is independent from me and I should appreciate that about them. Well, and the really nice thing that the story does for us, it shows that not only does Linda get some independence from, from the family, but she gets independent relationships developed with each of her three children. With Jean, she goes to the bakery. With Tina, she goes to the hotel to poop. And with Louise, she gets to do this thing that Louise feels very guarded about and lets that guard down with her mother in this moment, which just speaks volumes about who these people are and what their relationship is. Like It, it truly is the exact sort of thing that we want to talk about on this on this podcast um, in that you're using storytelling in this very, very unique way to do vignettes about how these kids interact with their mother. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also so interesting to you that these are things that, you know, each kid, it's really kind of geared towards them. Um, even though Tina does have a moment where she's just like, I think uh, you guys are doing much more exciting things with mom than I am. <laughs> um, it's it's still very like, of course, Tina would be going to this fancy hotel with like 
maybe it's a cute guy that's playing the piano, you know, that, that Tim guy, um, you know, I think he even does like a little ditty for Tina saying like, Hey Tina, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, they, Linda knows her kids. Yeah. And I think that is really evident here that, she, and that's part of what makes her such a really good mom. I think it's what makes her such an interesting mom is that she is this person who can act independently of her husband and be her own person. But at the same time, she also knows her kids and knows what to do with those kids. Yeah. And I, I just love it. I, I I love, and we're about to get to it because it's the episode's about to wrap up, but it's a really nice way of ending this otherwise very calamitous and chaotic day. So Linda gets home, but she can't get inside. So she's got to break into the house. And just as she makes it inside, the family enters. They scream because of what she looks like and what's going on. And she looks above them and sees that they had planned a spa day just for her. In the next scene, Linda is taking a bath in tomato juice to get the spell skunk off of her uh, while being pampered by her family. We can see that her hair looks different. She obviously has Tina's uh, mayo hair thing going on in her. Uh, They're bringing her treats. And Bob apologizes that her birthday was terrible. But Linda is renewed and excited about how the day ultimately worked out. Yeah. And I think it's such a great ending because not only is it really a happy ending, It's also Linda learning about herself in the same way that the rest of the family learned about Linda. You know, Linda, they're all learning what it means to be Linda, you know? And, and I think that's such like a really positive note to end on. Um, I think, you know, kind of like I said before, like it gives the audience an opportunity to see like, Oh, you know, my partner is more than just, you know, X. They're also, you know, all these other things. Um, but it also lets Linda see that for herself too. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, we talk here about like, what is it to like be a mother in media and how her mother is represented. I think this is kind of like one of those good opportunities to be like, okay, my mother is also a woman. She's also someone that is multifaceted. She has all of these different, you know, elements to her that we should really appreciate because she does so much for us. You know, like you just said, Linda knows her kids so well that she's able to do all of these different things with them. Each kid has their own specific like scenario that they get into with her, whether it's Jean at the bakery, Tina at the hotel, Louise being unguarded for once and vulnerable with this puppy. You know, I think that's and it's so wonderful to see that, you know, we can take time to appreciate that. And Linda can take time to appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I totally agree, Tyler. Well put. Um, so the episode ends with the full version of BM and the PM uh, from Tim playing over the credits. And we'll often do this when a song appears in the show. Um, but it is, if there was anything on your palate that made you feel a little bit sad for Linda, it is refreshed by the song because it is perfect and beautiful. Absolutely, yeah. So earlier, Tyler, you mentioned that there were some ways in which Linda was like your mom. So before we get into sort of our final Q&A here, uh, what were those things that sort of erupted for you? Or have you had some conversations with your mom while watching the show and be like, oh, my God, that's totally you or whatever? Totally. Um, You know, I've watched this episode multiple times with my mother. And, you know, she is a person who... um, she gets herself into these situations much like Linda does where, um, you know, she, of course she ends up dropping her phone off, you know, when she's about to take off on a flight somewhere, yeah. of course she ends up getting stuck in traffic, like trying to get out of Publix um, and is trying to, to, you know, 
deal with this or she's got someone in front of her in the line at Publix and they're being really annoying and she just wants to get the hell out of there and go home because she's been busy with work all day and, and so on and so forth. So, um, but it's her ability to kind of like laugh it off that I, I think is what we point to every time. Um, and just Linda kind of like having her, her silly moments too. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, those are the things that to me, whenever I think of my mother, that those are the elements that I like to, to think of her as possessing. Yeah. And then, you know, we're both queer men. So when we look at Linda Belcher and we look at the hair and the glasses, which are kind of camp, um, and we think about her voice, which is voiced by John Roberts, and we think about sort of her effusive support of, of I, I mean, Tina's the one who goes through it the most because of her age, but like her daughter's like blossoming sexuality. I think that's really important for us as, as queer men who look for surrogacies of mother figures in the world to see. What do you sort of think about um, being a queer who's watching Linda and watching Bob's Burgers? Oh my goodness. I think it's, I think there's a reason that queer people have really gravitated to the show. Yeah. Um, not only are like the showrunners really great allies and they, they do pretty good on representation in the show. Um, but you know, like they, every pride month they release Bob's Burgers merch. That's, that's, you know, all about pride and they donate money and, and everything else. Um, so I think Linda is just this really hysterical like kind of a drag queen if I'm being she honest. She does have sort of a drag vibe, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she does. Like like you just mentioned it, the campy glasses, that iconic hairdo. Like hello, like if I'm not seeing that in a drag routine, like what are you doing? Like um it's it's so hysterical to see that and especially of course you have John Roberts doing this like overly, you know, characterized voice and again like a like a drag queen, like you could totally see that happening. And I think like that, that sort of queerness of having a male actor voicing a female character, we're kind of disrupting the, the, the binary of what we see is like, what is, what is gender when we get into that. And I think it's just, it's fascinating to watch. And if you wanted to do a, like, like an academic paper all about what Linda means to queer people, you could absolutely do a very long, very effusive essay about that. But I think it's just so interesting to see that she is a character that is maternal and affectionate and loving to yeah. everyone she comes across that isn't also a jerk back to her. Like yeah. we could we could point to the the um the blinkening part 1 and 2 Christmas episodes which are all about, you know, queer people have lost their their safe place and they're trying to find um, a place where they can kind of come together again and when they do Linda who's been on her own personal manhunt for her Christmas tree and ornaments um, realizes that she made a mistake is apologetic about it and they work together to you know help these queer people so in that sense she's also kind of like a really good ally yeah yeah I mean I think that if I were you know I'm old now but I think that if I were 13 and I was struggling with whether or not to come out or I was struggling with how to find the language for that and I was able to see Bob's Burgers on like standard television that you can get over the airwaves um, and see some of the relationships that you you get to watch both of these parents I'm going to give Bob credit here too watching Bob and Linda interact with their community and their children is so empowering and I think that's why episodes of television and series like this need to be successful is for folks who see that representation and need it in their lives. Absolutely, yeah. 
I I'm 100% agree with you on that. More television that we have like Bob's Burgers that is showing the power of community and the power of, you know, having your family, whether it be a family by blood or a found family, which I guess you could kind of say that Teddy is a little bit of like a Ted, found family. Teddy is definitely a found family. <laughs> they, they might want to return it, him to the lost and found, but yeah, he's, he's more of like a stray. <laughs> so, um, but nevertheless, like we see the importance of, of that and that it's okay for you to be loving and affectionate, but also really jokey and make fun of yeah. each other because of, at the end of the day, it's, this bedrock of like love and respect and admiration for one another. Well then Tyler, we're left with just one question. When you consider everything that we've talked about so far and what it means to be a mother in our world, is Linda Belcher our mother? Um, Yeah. At the end of the day, David, I think Linda Belcher is our mother. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think that from an aspirational perspective, she's got it in spades. I think about my own mother's struggles with me coming out and her later in life struggles with like understanding what it meant to have queer community and what that was was for her. Didn't really hit the Linda Belcher mark, um, but I could see how us looking to to mother figures in our lives as an aspiration uh, here is really well captured. And it sounds like in a lot of ways, Linda might be your mother in like a direct correlation. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I feel like Linda, if I came out to her, she'd be like, oh my God, that's great. And then like want to go out for drag bingo. Um, my mother, uh, when I came out to her, she was, I remember there was about a minute of stunned silence. And then yeah. she was like, this changes nothing about you. Like, like oh, how I feel great. about you. I love you. And in many ways, it was kind of like the ideal coming out. And she's always been very supportive of me. And she's been supportive, um, you know, Marshall and me being together. And, you know, she just wants um, me to be happy and safe. And I think at the end of the day, that's what she was most concerned about was my personal safety, yeah. um, which unfortunately is the reality that we have to deal with. And I feel like Linda would be very similar. You know, she just, if she saw someone being homophobic, she would fucking, she burned some shit down. Yeah. yeah oh she yeah. Would she would burn some that. shit down. Um, and I think, you know, in that way, Linda is kind of like a great mother to queer people. Well, you know, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on this episode. This was an important mother for us to talk about. It's a great series. If you haven't already checked out with Bob's Burgers, we've spoiled nothing. I really think you can hop in anywhere. And I don't think there's anything wrong with hopping in season one, episode one. I don't think there's a learning curve. It's a slightly different show, but it's it's still phenomenal from the start. Tyler, if folks were worried about uh, you wandering home after you locked yourself out of your car, where might they look for you if they were going on a road trip, but on the internet? You can find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash redsage90. You can also find me on Instagram at redsage90. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. As for me, I've been your host, David Arnold. You can find me online almost anywhere as Dmuma. And if you want more of me, you can join me and my co-host, Derek, who also has amazing wrists as we talk about the weird, genre-defying, and high-concept episodes of TV on Gimmicks, available at GimmicksPod on Twitter and Instagram. But for this podcast, Are You My Mother is on social media at my mother pod and you can subscribe to this podcast on apple spotify pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts if you'd like to reach out with any comments feedback or if you're interested in joining as a guest you can email the podcast at are you my mother pod at gmail.com see you next episode as we keep up asking the question are you my mother 